Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Church, by way of reminder, jumping into Psalm 119, I want to remind you it's divided into 22 parts. We call them stanzas, if you will, and these stanzas, um, they're denoted really by the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And so there's eight verses in each stanza we've been looking and uh, just kind of going through, and every stanza contains, again, eight verses, and the first letter of each verse is that which gives the name to the stanza. And so we've been looking, we've been jumping in, we've been just kind of um, engulfed, if you will, into Psalm 119. And I want to remind you, specifically on Wednesday night, that the psalm encompasses, remember, the meditation and obedience to the word. This is what he's talking about. We talked about meditating. We talked about how we need to be thinking on God's word all the time and just praying through it. And the word of God tells us at times to pray without ceasing and and to always have the Lord at the forefront of our mind. And yet the psalmist here jumps in and he just says, listen, I want to encompass, engulf us in the meditation, but it's not enough just to, oh, I meditate God's word. What, John 3, 16? But it's, but it's the obedience to the word. One of the key applications that we learned, if you recall, is that we are to walk in the ways of the Lord. Walk in the ways of the Lord. Now, remember, we took that phrase and we broke it down, and here's what it meant. It meant a, a habitual pattern of living a habitual pattern of living. And here's what we talked about. We talked about that there are passive habits and then there are active habits. And the active habits are what we do to grow in God's word. In other words, how wonderful it would be is if we took God's word and we put it under our pillow tonight and we slept on it and it just seeped through and we had just this wonderful biblical knowledge. That would be great. But that's not how it works. You see, the psalmist later on is going to say, early in the morning, I get up. Early, before the sun comes up. That's an active habit. Because he wants to know the word of God. He wants to know the word of God. It's an active habit. And that's the one thing we talked about. We talked about active habits. May I remind you, When the children of Israel came into the promised land, all the manna had stopped. And now they were commanded to go out and become farmers. Grow your own fruit. Get your vegetables. It's going to be great. God's going to be with you, but they had to work. Are you kidding? Wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop, Lord. I thought I just came out and there was food. Well, yes, but that was supernatural. Now you're going to get... You go, Pastor, what's the point? You ready? God will never give us supernatural what we could get naturally. And that's the active habit. God's not going to, oh, a supernatural, hold on, hold on. Oh, I got it. I memorized the scripture. No, he wants us to be in the word. And, And so the question is, what active habits have you put in place to help you walk closer to God. What active habits? It's not something you go, oh, I think I did all, I think I'll do that. No, are you getting, you have to put it in place. One of the things we used to do um, when I was, when I was going through Bible college there in Rio Rancho and, and uh, we had something that we did, it was called self-confrontation and part of the, the homework on self-confrontation is you had to write down um, what you were going to do, like, you know, as it was basically, you had to, and I turned it into the pastor, and he turned it back to me, he goes, no, 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 you need to tell me how you're going to do this. You can't just tell me you're going to pray. I want to know, you're going to get up at this time and pray for this long and do this. He wanted me to develop active habits in order to grow in the Word. You see, it wasn't just an A to tell, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pray more. 
I'm just going to pray more. Well, how are you going to pray more? What are you going to do? And what are you going to do specifically? You go, Ben, come on. You need to chill. No, no, no. This is going to help us grow closer to the Lord. And may I say to you and myself, in these last days, this is where we need to be, closer to the Lord. He's coming back for us real soon. The world that you live in, church, listen to me, the world that you live in, we don't recognize anymore. It's different. It's changing. And so we need to remember that. Another lesson we learned, if you recall, another lesson we learned was about prayer. Prayer. And prayer is the key. It's basically, you're going to see it throughout the psalm. And if we remember that when hard times come, prayer should never leave. A lot of times when we go through trials and tribulations, a lot of times when we go through really hard times, um, we'll try to fix it ourselves. And then as a, as a last-ditch effort, what do we say? Well, I'll pray. Well, maybe we should pray. How about we should pray? And we do that. We do that. And yet the psalmist says, how about this? When you run into some hard times, uh, how about the first thing you do is run to prayer and seek God? Well, it's not in our nature. And so we have to actively go, that's what I'm going to do. There's a lot of hidden blessings when we're afflicted and we need to pray and pray and pray and pray. What a privilege that is. Think about prayer for just a moment because we're going to talk about it tonight. Think about it. What, what a privilege it is to pray. You're talking to the God who created not only, I mean, just not only the, the stars and the moon and the earth and all of this. He created universes and, and, and he's listening to you. And I got to be honest with you. Those of you that are a little bit older, you remember a busy signal on your phone. Uh, the kids don't know what a busy signal is. They, they, they came into call waiting, which is basically, they, you know, it's like, well, it'll ring, but it's never busy. We had a busy signal. Okay, we had one line, and if somebody was on that line, you didn't get through. Can I just say this to you? There's never a busy signal with God. You get on your knees and you go, "Okay, Lord, I wanna, I wanna pray." <laughs> Hold on. Oh, me. Oh, Lord, I'm dying here. Right? Operator, can you break through? No, this is God. And I love that God doesn't have call waiting either, does he? Uh, it's ringing. It's, it's, hold on. God. Oh, he didn't answer. He must be on the other line. That's not God. And what a privilege that is. But it also shows your faith. Do you realize how crazy you look when you pray? What do you mean? Who are you praying to? I don't see anybody. No, he's there. I'm praying to him. I believe. I believe that God hears me. Yeah, we look crazy to the world, don't we? Christians look crazy to the world. That's okay. That's okay. So I've entitled this message tonight, guys, Hear My Cry, O Lord. And that really is part of the uh, growing up at the Calvaries. We used to sing that song, Hear our cry, O Lord, attend unto our prayer. And and, and it really is that, but I, I just kind of put that because I want you to notice how um, how the psalmist is crying out to God basically for all his needs. Okay, he's crying out for protection, my enemies, and and so forth. But I want you to see something. And in the next stanza after this, we're going to see. Well, actually, that's the third stanza. He's going to say, he's going to say, God, I'm I'm crying out to you. And you would think it was like, Lord, my enemies, I'm being taunted, I'm being bullied. Oh, but it's not. He's saying, I'm crying out to you because I want to be more obedient to your word. It's a sweet, sweet cry. And I think the times when you and I, church, should, should pray, God, give me a deeper hunger for your word. Give me a deeper hunger for your word. That I may know your word, that I may memorize your word, that I may speak forth your word. Give me a greater hunger for your word. So, last week we didn't finish this, but it's, it's the next stanza. The Hebrew letter is P, P-E. And really what it is, if you're taking note, it's a double fillment of light. 
you go, what do you mean? Well, the prior um, stanza is ayin. And ayin, remember, he said, my eyes, my eyes, they're just straining. He had exhausted eyes, and he could only see, the, uh, only see a gathering of darkness. Remember that? My eyes are straining. Well, now... This stanza opens the door to light. The light of the word, he's going to tell us in verse 130. And before this portion of the scripture ends, it has, not, it has become the light of the word and has become the light of the Lord in 135. Again, if you're taking notes, the P focuses on, on uh, four major themes. One, it is a transformative effect that the word of God has on the psalmist. Can I stop you right there? This is what the word of God does. If we will submit our heart to the word of God and the word of God to our heart, it will transform us from the inside out. You see, we don't have to modify our behavior to look good on the outside. The word of God changes us from the inside. And can I just say this to you, my friends, God's still working on me. Ever feel that way? You're like, oh, I'm not there yet. But God's still working and transforming. And, and uh, if you're taking note, uh, you know this. It's called progressive sanctification. And slowly you're making your way. And you're going to be more and more like Jesus. But you won't get there until you're glorified, until the day you go home. But, but progressively. Progressively. Number two. We notice another theme. It's the... The harmful effects of sin. The harmful effects of sin. We're going to see that in verses 133 to 134. And, and really the human opposition. And we have to remember the harmful effects of sin. We think sin is sin. It doesn't bother anything. And I'm not busted. And I'm not caught. And it, No, no. Sin affects everybody in striking distance. Sin hurts. Sin fractured everything. And what we don't realize is when Adam and Eve took of that fruit, it fractured everything, and it fractured the world. And it fractured our relationships with each other. And it fractured, it fractured marriages at that point, guys. It fractured honesty, and it fractured integrity. It fractured everything, and it isn't until the Lord comes back. And, and although we're born again and we're, we're, we're headed toward, it's not till the Lord comes back and, and sets up his rule and reign, and we have our glorified bodies that we're going to be able to understand and live and function. Number three, we're going to see how um, we discover how the psalmist longs for God's direction, and, and that'll be the theme really throughout these, these next three stanzas. God, give me direction. Give me direction. And what we need to understand, and we talked about it last week, is we want to make sure we're not playing Bible roulette. Lord, I've, I've got a girlfriend. I've got a girlfriend. And um, if this is the one for you, uh, let her name be in here. And Right? And, oh, there it is. No, that's not how we do it. Because that's, we, we can use that as God's guidance, but God will give us the word of God. But let me just say this to you. Sometimes we're asking the Lord for a specific, Lord, should I buy a house? And the Bible doesn't say, thou shalt buy a house. You know, it doesn't say that. So we're going, well, how? But we look for it and it becomes, internalizes us. And then we begin to see, oh, oh. We can see the hand of God as we recognize his hand, yes and no. And we don't get disappointed. I'll never forget when Nathalie and I were first married many years ago, many years ago, we were married and we were buying our first house. We were living in a little two-bedroom mobile home and uh, we were having our second child, so we had to, we had to get a new mobile home. And so um, we went out and looked at one and, and it was just a little bit bigger and thought, hey, this will do. And uh, remember filling out the paperwork and, and submitting it and going, and uh, back, you know, we're just young. We're young, hadn't established a whole lot of credit or anything. And they're like, so, Mr. Martinez, I'm sorry, you don't, you don't qualify, but if you get a co-signer, I'm sure we could get this through. And I'm just like, okay. So I went and asked my father-in-law at the time, hey, listen, since, um, since you're going to have two grandbabies, and, and uh, would, you, would you mind? And he's, no, I don't mind co-signing. And so we, he filled out the paperwork, and that was hard enough to do. But uh, we took it back, and for some reason they came back and said, no, no, it, um, Mr. Martinez, we can't get that approved. You, 
you need to get off the application and he needs to buy it for you. And at that point, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I just can't, I can't do that. And so we were disappointed, needless to say. We're, we were in a small mobile home and we're just like, oh, Lord, what are we going to do? And uh, several weeks later, after Miranda was born, we, were, we drove up to Albuquerque. And I remember we were just going with my mother-in-law. We were just going to look at mobile homes and, and, and get a bigger house and so we drove up, and I remember looking at this house, and the only thing I could look at my poor wife and tell her, please don't get your hopes up. This was, it was a beautiful house. Everything she wanted in, in a growing family's mobile home, right? And everything she wanted. And I was like, please don't get your hopes up. We couldn't get the, we couldn't get the cheaper one. How are we going to get this one? There's no way. <sighs> so frustrated. And, uh, we filled out the paperwork and, and all the good stuff. And, uh, Three days later, the guy called me and said, um, where do you want us to park your mobile home? Yeah, and again, the point is, the point is, is that it was all God, because how, how does it change? How, how does this change from one? No, no, what God was saying is, hey, 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 listen, um, I got something better for you. But, but the point is, is, is again, I could have been frustrated with God going, God, you don't love me. I thought I was a Christian. I wanted this mobile. I can't. can't." And and we do that with cars and we do that with everything. And and yet God's going, no, don't be disappointed. I have something better for you. Will you just wait? I go. And you learn the lessons, don't we? And so they don't become disappointments anymore. You go, oh, God's just telling me to wait. Okay. Okay. It's a blessing. Why? He said no. He said no. Let us internalize this, guys. Let us put this in our heart. When we pray, God gives us three answers. He says, yes. Uh, amen. And we rejoice. And we start dancing with our wives and we're happy. He said, yes. And then sometimes he says, wait. Not right. Yes, but not right now. Hold on. And we don't rejoice too much. We don't dance with our wives. And then he says, no. He flat out says, no, that's not for you. And we hardly ever rejoice when God says no, although it's an answered prayer. What do we do? We sulk. We're like Eeyore. God said no. I don't understand. From my point of view, God, this is the very best thing. Is it? Is it? We we need to learn, church, as we grow in God's grace. We need to learn to recognize when God's knows are really just great blessings, that he has something better for us. Whether it's a job or a promotion or a car or a house, a job, sometimes it's no and you go, okay, I'll just wait. I'll just wait. So let's look at this, guys. We'll move pretty quickly through these. God's word gives direction. Picking it up in verse um, 129 of Psalm 119, the psalmist writes, Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The entrance of your word, your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for your commandments. Don't you just love the way the psalmist comes up, right? You gotta remember the word laws and words and precepts and testimonies, they're all interchangeable, but he says, I love it. I love it. I love studying your word. I love getting in your word, God. And there's certain ways of getting in your word. There are times when I study and I dig and I move things around and I'll look at words and there's other times when I'm just, just reading it and just, ah, oh, this is good. This is good. But this is what he says. What does it do? The psalmist says he gives what? He gives, your word gives light in a dark world. And he says this. I love this. He says, even the simple can understand. Can I get an amen? Amen. Right? I like what Josh Florida says. Josh Florida says um, he'll invite someone to Calvary Chapel and they'll say, well, what, what's your pastor like? He goes, I don't know. He, he just breaks it down Barney style. That's what he says. He just breaks down the word Barney style. And I think that's what the psalmist is saying. He just breaks it down so we can understand. He says, that's what I just love. Your word is so good. Even the simple can get it. And I like that. I like that. That's what the psalmist is saying. He says, your testimonies are wonderful. That's why I keep them. They're wonderful. You see, rules 
without a relationship equals rebellion. Rules without a relationship equals rebellion. Okay? So we have to have a relationship because when we see his testimonies, we go, man, those are wonderful. But they're rules, I know. But I'm not rebelling because I have a relationship with God. You see that? And this is why the psalmist can say that. And then in verse, going on in verse 132, he says, Look upon me and be merciful to me as your custom toward those who love your name. The psalmist portrays his desire for God's direction in, really, if you think about physical terms, go back to 131 real quick. I opened my mouth and panted, why? For I longed for your command. I asked you, I said, Lord, I need your guidance. And then in verse 32, he said, but you did give it to me. You did give it to me. Look upon me, he said, implying that God will grant his desire. And here in verse 132 begins a series of prayer commands demonstrating that the psalmist is concerned with receiving help from God. Do you guys see that? That's our prayer. Our prayer is look upon me. Be merciful to me as your custom to those who what? Who love your name. Can I say this? Jot this down if you're taking note. The psalmist is in a love relationship with God. And that's key. The psalmist is in a love relationship with God. He's not in a toxic relationship with God. He's not in a complicated relationship with God. He's in a love relationship, and he says, listen, I'm crying out to you. I'm praying to you. He says, be merciful to me. Hear my cry. Listen to me, Lord, please. Because your nature is to hear those who love you. Who love you. The problem is is that we have sin. Notice the harmful effects of sin. He says in 133, Direct my steps by your word, and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Do you guys see that? Direct me. Direct my steps. How? By your word. Show me your word and help me to walk. Guide my steps. Well, again, think about a dark world if... If we're trying to walk in a dark world, it's, we're going to stumble and fall. But the light of the word of God, which the psalmist is saying, he says, "Give light." He says, "Oh, okay." Now, 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 listen. We're not walking like this in the world, trying to move real fast. I think the Lord says, "Okay, one step at a time," and He's guiding us. Okay, make a right. Okay, here we go. And and that's what the word of God does in a spiritual sense. He says He's guiding us. He says, but let no iniquity have dominion over me. Think about iniquity, guys. In the word of God, iniquity is very interesting. Why? Because we know that the Greek word for sin is harmatia. We know it's missing the mark. We know that the second word is transgression. It's when we trespass, we go, oh my, I didn't realize this was a sin. Yeah, we come back. But iniquity is going, I know that's sin. I know it is. I'm going to do it anyway. And that's what hurts. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. That's what Jesus, he was wounded for our transgressions. That's an outer part. That's out. That's, you can see that. Oh, I made a mistake, Lord. And what does he say? Oh, he took the beating. He took the beating. He was wounded. But in iniquity, he was bruised. What's a bruise? That's internal. That's internal. Sometimes outwardly, we make the mistake. Oh, no, I stepped over. I'm sorry, God. Have, Have we done that? Lord, forgive me. But when it's in our heart, That's what scares me when it's in our heart. I'll tell you why. Listen to me carefully. Because we can fool everybody else with an outward appearance, but in our heart, 
is iniquity. And the psalmist says, don't let that have dominion over me. Don't let that. Please, the effects, listen, Lord, these are harmful effects of sin. Redeem me from the oppression of man. For what reason? That I may keep your precepts. Redeem me. You see, the psalmist is concerned about sin, and so should we. We should never take sin lightly. And in verse 34, he wants God to help him keep free of both human oppression. Ah, this guy's on me. I'm stressed out about that. And sin. So he can both remain loyal to what reason? So that I may, what's that word? Keep. We can put in obey, okay, your word. I'm going to obey your judgments, your commandments. I want to obey this. Look at verse 135. Make your face to shine upon your servant. And teach me your statutes. Rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law. Guys, this is, this is amazing. He says, look at me. And, and, and here's the thing. Let me just say this. When you pray, pray back the word of God to him. Pray this prayer. Pray, Lord, make your face shine on me. Teach me your ways, O Lord. That's not a selfish prayer. That's not an egocentric prayer. It's you and I. And he says, and, and by the way, I was crying a lot. Why? Why are you crying? Because people disobey your word. What's your reaction, church? When you see somebody disobey the word, is it like, well, okay, well, whatever you're going to do, go for it. Or is it really that broken of, wow, Because the harmful effects of sin affect everybody in striking distance. I think the psalmist may be grieving over future judgment of wayward people, and I think we should too. Or he may be offended that God is dishonored. I think we should too. You see, the psalmist is... Did I mention he's in a love relationship with God? Right? And, and, and I mentioned that to you, right? And so again, I would, I would feel the same way. I don't have to defend God, but my heart breaks when people dishonor my God because he is his savior. He is a, he's compassionate. He's, he's loving. He's, he's graceful. He's merciful. He's, he blesses us. Real quick, in your mind, how did God bless you today? How did God bless you today? From the littlest thing. I can tell you, you woke up. You woke up. He provided oxygen for you. Not once did you go, I'm running out of air. He gave it to us. He just, and again, and then just go through your day and think how God blessed you. I blessed you. So in these eight short verses, we've learned, guys, that the word of God transformed the life from the inside out. We learned that. So we need to be in the word of God. How sin affects everything within striking distance. We learned how God's word, although it may not directly thou shall or thou shall not, it still gives us amazing direction for our lives. How so? Well, it becomes internalized and then we filter everything we do and say through the word of God. Okay, okay, that's good direction. That's good direction. And of course... I want to leave you, not that we're done, but I want, to, I want you to take this. And remember, feel the conviction as the psalmist weeps over those who decide not to follow the divine guidance of the Lord. Can you imagine? Ah, oh, I'm super bummed. I'm really broken. Why? And we should feel this way, especially with our family. When our family doesn't want to follow the divine direction of the words, not that we disown them because they will need us, but that we, we are even that much more sensitive in crying out for them. Can I say this to you? Can I offer you hope? As long as they're breathing, there's hope. But you've got to keep praying. You've got to keep crying out to God. God, save. Save my brothers. Save my sisters. Save my cousins. Save my aunts. Some of us might say, save my parents. Save my wife. 
save my husband. One, one thing that I just, again, guys, think about this. The psalmist says, rivers of water run down my eyes because, because people won't repent and get saved. And we're just broken. We're just crying. When was the last time we, we cried over sin? When was the last time we, we cried for, our, for people to be saved? That's what the psalmist is getting at. And I don't want you to go, well, I'm not going to that church. All he does, that's a real bummer. No, 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 no. The point is, is that, man, I, I want the heart like this. Well, Pastor Ben, why are you crying? Because I have a city out here that, that needs you. The next stanza, the Hebrew letter is Sadi, S-A-D, well, it's actually T-S-A-D-H-E, and you can write that, it's Sada or Sadi, depending how you say it, and it's purity and truth of God's word. And the verses, the psalmist here in this verse asserts that God's direction are righteous. He's going to use the word righteous, and the reason why is because he is righteous. And the psalmist will emphasize that God's righteousness and directions are based on his character. And you'll see that all the way through. Look at verse 137. He says, righteous are you. Everybody have a pencil handy. Make sure you underline that verse. Why? Because remember, he's been, he's been exhorting us, encouraging us. He's been engulfing us. God's words, his precepts, his laws, they're amazing. But now he comes, he says, righteous are you. Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. Your testimonies which you have commanded are righteous and faithful. And I want you to notice that the psalmist, in keeping line with the Hebrew letter, it starts with the righteousness. It starts with righteous. And he says, righteous are you. If you have a pencil handy, that word means just, lawful, and righteous is the Lord. Let me just say this to you. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. In him is no darkness at all. The Lord is good. He's beautiful. He's wonderful. And he's righteous. But can I say this? I draw your attention to the fact that the psalmist turns his focus to God first. he'll look for direction later. God, show me, guide me. But first and foremost, he begins, and I want you to jot this down, with complete adoration to the Lord. Complete adoration to the Lord. Can I say this to you? You ready? You cannot love his word if you do not love him. You can't love his word until you're first in love with him. Can I get an amen? amen? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You ever had, if you ever had a love letter given to you? I told you the story, right? The other day, many years back, I was running, um, I was running outside and, and I was coming up, uh, one of the streets and I looked down and I saw a piece of paper, it looked like a, like a letter. And so I stopped and I picked it up. You wouldn't believe the things I find on the street when I run. I find bolts and as I come home with all these stuff, Nathalie looks at me and goes, why do you bring this? Ah, you never know when you might need it. And I found the letter and I opened the letter and I read it. It was a love letter. And this fellow was pouring out his heart to apparently his ex that didn't like it and threw the letter out the window. I'm not sure what it was. But can I tell you this to you? That love letter, although it had great, great words and love and just beautiful emotion poured out, didn't mean anything to me. Didn't mean anything to me. I was like, poor fella. She threw it out the window. Poor fella. Never, she, he never showed Nathalie. Nathalie, look at this. It didn't mean anything to her. Why? Because the love letter wasn't written to me. It didn't mean anything to me. I don't know who the author was. But when you get a love letter from somebody who you love, 
Come on, guys. Come on, guys. You remember. Especially you older folks in here. You got to love, because now it's a text. Now you have emojis. But we used to get love letters. And they, they'd give them to you. Oh, 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 I'd read it. You put it in your back pocket. You carry it everywhere. And then when you, oh, oh, read the love letter. I used to, when I went out of town back in the 80s, we didn't have texts. Uh, cell phones were barely coming out. I know, I sound really old. I'm not that old. Just technology has moved really fast. But Natalie used to put a letter in my suitcase whenever I went out of town. I used to love opening my suitcase and finding the letter. You know what we do now? Hey, you okay? Yeah, you all right? Love you, love you too. Pfft, text, button, done. What happened to the love letter? Okay, guys, I want you to write your wives a love letter. That's just aside from this. I just want you to go out and do it like you used to. Larry, write your wife a love letter. Tell him just pfft. no emojis, no stick. He still does? He still does? Yes. That's what I'm talking about. You won't love his word until you love him. I like what he says. The psalmist says, you are right, O Lord, and you do right. Your decisions are right and right on. That's the Lord. That's the Lord. Jot this down if you're taking note. It's Ezra chapter 9, 15. It says, O Lord God of Israel, Ezra's writing, you are righteous, for we are left as a remnant As it is this day, here we are before you in our guilt, and no one can stand before you because of this. Why? Because he's righteous. He's righteous. But let me ask you this. How are you righteous today? Through Jesus, right? That's how you're righteous. You see, when God looks down, he doesn't see you anymore. He sees Jesus. And he sees the righteousness of Jesus. That's how we're saved, guys. I'm glad he doesn't see Ben. I'm glad he sees Jesus. And that's how I'll know. Here's what I want to remind you. Always remember to seek the gift giver before you ask for the gift. Always seek the gift giver before you ask for the gift. Why? In prayer... We're prone to ask for the gift right away. Dear Lord, we come before you in Jesus' name, and please give me this. We have to be careful. Stop, 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 stop. Seek the gift giver. Lord, you are good. You go, well, Ben, that sounds like how my kids used to butter me up for something. Dad, you're amazing, and you're just a great ball player. We're not talking about buttering up Dad. That worked when, well, it works for Grandpa, I'll tell you that, but, but Dad's, I'm not sure. But a genuine love and affection for him first should always be how we start. God, I love you. You're amazing. You're beautiful. You are just beyond my comprehension. Lord, I'm not telling this to butter you up. The truth is the truth, and I love you. Lord, I do have some. Or maybe you go to confession after adoration. Maybe you just confess some things. Maybe you're just like, Lord, forgive me. I've had a bad attitude this week. I've had this, I've had that. I was, I was mean to my husband, I was mean to my wife. Whatever it might be, you confess that to the Lord. And then offer thanksgiving. God, thank you. And then, and then, after all that's done, guess what? Then you can come with your petition. Then you can come with your supplication. God, I'm praying for so-and-so. We're praying for this. We're praying for that, Lord. Amazing. But always seek the gift giver before you ask for the gift. Always. Always. Notice verse 139. He says, My zeal has consumed me because my enemies have forgotten your words. Your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. Again, two things we must consider. He says, your, he says, my zeal, the word zeal is kinah, Q-I-N-A-H, kunah, and it means anger and enmity and jealousy. And I don't think it's in that ugly, awful, I'm just, he says, my zeal, and we need to ask why, why, what's going on? He says, he says, listen, my zeal has consumed me, and I think we need to ask why, because I think we're all in this room, we're all zealous for something. 
We're all zealous for something. The psalmist is teaching that he has anger and jealousy, but for what reason? And I'll tell you right here, because his enemies have forgotten. The word forgotten is oblivious. Like, like it, it almost implies like they knew the word of God, and then they're just forgetting. Nah, they, don't even, they don't even bring it up anymore. They have forgotten it. And he's like, oh, you knew it. You knew the word of God. You, remember, we were growing up in church. We we quizzed each other in the word and whoa now you're acting like there's no god and that's that's the heart of the psalmist and while his enemies forget god's direction the psalmist says well i know i'm angered about that i'm jealous about that i'm zealed about that but i won't forget i won't forget He's going to remind us in 141. The second thing he says, your word is very pure. Look at that word pure. It means refined. It's where you refine the precious metal. The word of God is very pure, refined by trial, if you will. But I love what he says next. You ready? And this is something you need to underline. He says, therefore, because your word is very pure. And you need to understand how it comes in the word of God. There wasn't just a printing press that was like, yeah, let's just print it, whatever. They, they meticulously wrote everything down exactly. And then in 1947, they found the Dead Sea Scrolls and it matched immaculately to, to the ancient manuscripts. It's pure. It's the word of God. And this is what he says, I know that. Therefore, he says, your servant loves it. Your servant loves it. I like that. Let me ask you a question, church. Do you love the Word of God? Is it on the top of everything you do? The Word of God. You go, Ben, you're preaching to the choir. It's Wednesday night. We're in church. It's the Word of God. And to that I say, Amen. Amen. Because the Word of God should work anytime the Word is open. We should be here studying and growing. Anytime the Bible is taught. Because we love it. And if we, oh, here it comes. Ooh, this is good. If we love the word of God, we're going to love each other. If we love the word of God, we're going to love each other. You love God's word. It's just a natural byproduct of what's happening inside is, hey, that's my brother. It's my sister. I love it. You coming to church on Wednesday? I just love seeing you. I love seeing you. I love seeing you. Why? Because we're family. We're family. How cool is that? So question is, the question is, what are we zealous for? Because we're zealous for something. What are we zealous for? And I'll let the Lord answer that. Ask him that. Lord, what am I zealous for? Whatever we're zealous for is what we'll put into 100%. And the second question I ask myself, you guys can listen, do we love the word of God? Why? Here's why. Like, like, like is superficial. Like is, do you like the word of God? I like the word of God. It's cool. I can take it or leave it. I like pizza. I like the word of God. But love is an emotion. Love is something inside where you go, man, I can't live without it. I can't live without it. Do you love the word of God? Before we move on, notice what the writer of Hebrews tells us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and spirit and of the joints and of the marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Can I tell you the word of God is alive? It's alive. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. Guys, it's alive. It's alive. It's active in our lives. And it discerns what we want to do and what we think. You see, when we get saved, the gospel changes us from the inside. And repentance means we're going to turn away. But we allow the word of God to do the work of God. And we start to change and we start to behave differently. Our thoughts patterns change. We're not thinking the same anymore. Well, it goes on, he says, I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. Your law is, your law is truth. 
Trouble and anguish have overtaken me. Yet your commandments are my delights. Look at that. The righteousness of your testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. You know what the psalmist says? He says, I'm insignificant and despised, but I won't forget your commandments. I think of David. You remember when David was little? He thought he was small. He's like, who am I? Who am I fighting this big old giant, if you will? And sometimes we feel that way. But he says, I won't forget your precepts. I won't forget your precepts. Can I just say this to you? The enemy wants to come around your life and say, you're insignificant. You don't have anything. You're not worth much. You're not, you don't make any contribution to, to God's kingdom. And I say hogwash. I say hogwash. You are his child, and you do. And, and again, you may feel small. You may, you may feel despised, but he says, man, no. Why? Because it's his righteousness. It's his righteousness. And then he says this, trouble and anguish overtaking me. Everybody goes, yeah, that's, that's our world. He says, but listen, he says, but your commandments are my delight. And what he's trying to say here, this is, he says, I hardly, he says this, pressure and stress bear me down. That's what he's saying. He says, but I find joy in your commands. Joy. And this is amazing. You go, why? I hardly ever find joy when I'm stressed out. Come on, somebody. Come on, someone. When me and Joe, Mabry, and, and other folks are playing golf, and I hit the ball, and it slices, and it goes into somewhere, no man's land, and I'm stressed out. You remember that, Adam? I don't, I'm not like, yay, that was just a, I'm joy, I've got joy. I don't do that. But I like what the psalmist says. He says, why? He says, listen, as I'm being squeezed by the world, you ever feel that? He says, I find joy in obedience to your word. I find joy. Here's why. Listen, my slice into my slice into no man's land, you ready? It doesn't define me. Come on, somebody. You got to get it. You got to get it. Why? Because the stresses in your life today, that doesn't define you either. Your identity is in Christ. And you'll make mistakes and you'll blow it and you'll feel the stresses of the world. You can still find joy because of who God is. Because of who God is. That's some good preaching here tonight, Joe. Some good preaching. He says, your word is right, pure and holy. And he says, help me to understand that I might live. Now, this is why at Calvary, we put a major emphasis on the teaching of the word of God. It is pure, it is holy, and we want to help you grow and understand. You see, it's not enough just to be preached at. We've got to learn. Here's why. Nehemiah chapter 8, 1 through 3. Let me read this to you. Nehemiah writes, All the people assembled in a unified purpose at the square outside the water gate. They asked Ezra, Pastor Ezra the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given Israel to obey. So they're saying, Ezra, can we have a Bible study? He says, So on October 8th, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, just like we're doing here which included men, women, and all the children old enough to understand. This is why at Calvary Chapel we go, hey, we have a children's ministry for the kids. You go, can I bring my kids in here? Can I? Well, they're not going to understand. The level of teaching is so high and so academic that they're going to find church boring. And this is based on Ezra and on Nehemiah when he said, we, we want the kids that can understand. And we never want church for a four-year-old or a five-year-old or a six-year-old to be boring. When they can go back there and they can sing and they can dance and they can learn about Jesus and have a great time with all their friends. But this is why we put an emphasis. Nehemiah opened the Bible and he taught them. He taught them the word of God. We've got to hurry. Move on to the next stanza. The next stanza in the Hebrew letters number 19, it's uh, kof, kof, Q-O-P-H, or you can write K-O-P-H. And this focuses on 
prayer. On the cries to the Lord in prayer. So if you have a pencil handy and you just want a title for this, hear my cry, O Lord. But also put this, you ready? This is a prayer of obedience. Verse 145, I cry out with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord. I will keep your statues. I cry out to you, save me, and I will keep your testimonies, your attention. Please, the very first thing we see, prayer is with our whole heart. Prayer is with our whole heart. Here he's crying out to the Lord, Lord, hear me. Hear my prayer. And I love that he says, with my whole heart. God, I'm, I'm what? I cry out to you with everything that is within me. How many times in prayer do we keep stuff back thinking God doesn't know? He says, Lord, hear me. And Lord, when you hear me, I will be obedient to your word. Two things we got to grasp here. The first thing that we see in 146, we're going to see the same thing. Okay, do you see it? 145 and 146, he says, I cry out to you. Here's what you need to do. This is known as a double emphasis. Okay, back in this day, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to give it to you Barney style. Okay, back in this day, they didn't have emojis to emphasize what he was saying. So the way they emphasized it is he said it again. You, you understand that? So like for you and I, if, if, um, if we were going to emphasize something, we might put an emoji. If you were telling somebody you loved them, you might put heart, 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 heart. And that's that emphasis that you love them. And we're really good at emojis. As a matter of fact, for example, this morning, <laughs> Mel sent us a text, and I was looking to see who put a heart on it, and I ended up putting a question mark. That was my emoji. It was a question mark. Which what? It changed the whole, the whole meaning of the text in it. Because here's the pastor now questioning, what is this text about? And But we didn't do that back in the day. They just said it again. This was the emphasis. The second thing you need to draw here, I want you to drop this down. Write this down. This is vocal. Vocal. What do you mean? He's literally crying out to the Lord with his words, vocally. You go, yeah. Yeah, here's why. Many of us have a wonderful prayer life through our thoughts. We can pray, and we're constantly praying through our thoughts. We're just praying. But there's something about being vocal, hearing our cry unto the Lord, trying to articulate what was in our heart through words. Come on, somebody. Have you ever prayed vocally and you realized it was a selfish, self-centered prayer, and as the words came out of your mouth, you're going, Lord, don't listen to that. That isn't, uh, oh, it sounded great in your head, but as they came out, you're like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You go, what's the key? Here it is. Pray with our whole heart, guys. Pray with our whole heart. But this is a prayer of obedience. Why? It's not that the psalmist did not cry out for help. Oh, Lord, help me, my enemies. I'm being oppressed and I'm bullied. But this one is, listen, I'm crying out so that I can obey your word. I can obey your word. You guys remember the, that old saying, that old, the old hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. He's talking about, he's talking about his heart. He's, he's like, I'm prone to leave you, Lord. And this one, he's going, no, Lord, please, I'm crying out. I want to be all your word. I don't want to leave you. I don't want to abandon you. I don't want to forsake you. In verse 147, he says, I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry out and cry for help. I hope in your word. Now, for some of this, this is a no-brainer, Okay. What do you mean? We get up early in the morning and we spend time with God. It's a no-brainer, okay? I rise before the dawning means before the sun comes up, you're up and you're seeking him, you're praying, and you're worshiping, okay? It's a no-brainer. For others of you, you're just not morning people, okay? You're just not. And uh, I get that. That's okay. That's okay. Because some of us get up in early in the morning and we'll go, good morning, Lord. And other verse go, good, oh, good Lord, it's morning, right? It's totally opposite. The psalmist says, I rise up early and I cry. He says, I put my help in you. Now, some of you might be thinking, okay, okay, well, I'm off the hook because I'm not a morning person. I'm off the hook. God made me a night owl. Come on, somebody say that. God made me a night owl. I'm up all night, so I, I don't know. I can't, I can't get up before. Um, well, hold on. Look at verse 148. He says, my eyes are awake through the night watches. There you go. That's for you. 
that I may meditate on your word. In other words, here's what he's saying. I stay awake through the night thinking about your promise. So, man, whether you're a morning person or you're a night owl, the word of God is for you. You need to write that down. That was good, right? That was so good. Verse 149, hear my voice according to your loving kindness. I love this, O Lord. Revive me according to your justice. I absolutely love this prayer. Why? Because number one, it uses both vocal and words, and and I want you to see it's a call to act. He's asking the Lord to do something. He says, according to your loving kindness. If you have a pencil handy, he's asking God to hear him according to his love, according to his wonderful love. And I, and I would do that. I would rather ask God according to his wonderful kindness than, than my, you ready? Than my past behaviors, good or bad. I don't want to go, well, Lord, I've been really good. I've been really good. So, uh, you need to hear me. I've been, beha- I've been, <laughs> or, Lord, I've been really bad, please. I don't know if you're going to hear me. I'm not asking the Lord to hear me based on me. I'm asking the Lord to be hear me based on him. Hear my prayer and answer according to your love, your compassion, your mercy, your grace, and your word. Verse 150. They draw near to you who follow after wickedness. They are far from your law. You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. Concerning your testimonies, I have known of old, that you have founded them forever. Do you guys see this, guys? He says, they draw near who follow after wickedness. They're so far from your law. Do you realize what the psalmist is doing? He's contrasting the nearness of God. Lord, please be with me. Hear my cry in the morning. I'll be there at night. I'll think of you. And now he's saying the distance on those who aren't following him. And he says, concerning your testimonies, I have known of old that you have founded them forever. That phrase, founded them forever, in the Hebrew is yours, it's yasad, yasad, and it means conveys the idea of laying a foundation of a building. Okay, so you're laying the foundation. You go, so what's the psalmist saying? Well, it implies that God has laid the foundation of the word of God upon himself forever. Forever. That's what he says. You go, well, Ben, what did we learn? Okay, here's what we learned. We learned that prayer is key, that we can cry out to the Lord. We learned that it can be early in the morning and you're praying to him. It's late at night as you're thinking about him. We learned um, that prayer is faith. We learned that the psalmist says that I'll stick to your word. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and the truth in your word. And Father, we love you so much. We thank you, God, that you're with us, Lord. And Lord, just in these stanzas, God, the, the, the psalmist just speaks so, so much. And so, God, I just pray that maybe tonight, Lord, as we spend in the next four minutes, the next four minutes singing, or maybe we're not even singing, but maybe for us we're crying out to you. For some of us, it might need help, help in our marriages, help in our walks, help at school, help at a job, whatever it might be, God, please. Maybe we have a bully as a coworker. Maybe we have a bully as a boss, whatever it might be, but we spend time crying out to you. Maybe we're just crying because we've walked away. We've, we've sort of danced with uh, the world a little bit, and we need to, we're compromising our walk. And so here, Lord, we're, um, we're just asking for help to be obedient in these last days. Father, that's our prayer. Our prayer is to just spend these next three minutes, Lord, as we, as we uh, put some music, just crying out to you, meditating and purposing in our heart that we're going to follow you. We ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.